KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and standing by to join me is Kaleche Ubozo. Ubozo, did I get that right? Ubozo. Ubozo, okay. She is a Nigerian-American mental health consultant, advocate, writer, and published author, and I'm so happy to have her on the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. As I mentioned, I found you on LinkedIn, and I heard about your book and what you're doing in the mental health space. So I want to start from why was it so important for you to be involved in this, in this mental health arena? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was, when I was like, I mean, basically since I was pretty young, I was someone who had really, really big emotions and um, had a lot of feelings and I didn't have safe spaces to really talk about the feelings. It was really like, oh, you're too much or like really stop talking about that. Um, Really? People in your family like shot you down from talking or? Well, I think it's just that, I mean, I was just a different kind of kid. Like I loved vampires. I wore all black. I mean, I was like a goth. I was was like Wednesday Adams, but in a black body. So yeah. yeah, and there was something about all of those things that spoke to me. And I think for some discomfort, I mean, my mom did buy me for my sixth birthday a black birthday dress so you know she was on she was on board I wouldn't say that she wasn't (laughs) on board but I think when I moved to Georgia so I moved from New York to Georgia there was a a lot of different ways that I was received and Mm -hmm. I navigated a lot of racism a lot of colorism Um, our neighborhoods were segregated uh, so I was in a all black neighborhood, but because my mom wanted me to have a good education, unfortunately how redlining works, um, the education was in the all white neighborhood. So I would get kind of like bust over to a different school and I just didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. Yeah. Um, and for me, my grandmother actually came down and helped to raise me and, uh, she's, she just was this magical person. Like she, she didn't care if I wore fishnets and combat boots. She'd like babysit my like Tamagotchi. I mean, she was love it. We'd be watching like MacGyver or Matlock together. <laughs> and she just accepted me. She yeah. accepted me and there was nothing wrong with me. And she was the only person I felt that really accepted me. Mm-hmm. When she got sick and eventually passed away from cancer, I just I felt like my world ended and I didn't yeah. want to live anymore. And where I lived, there were no conversations about, you know, thoughts of suicide or thoughts of like, you know, just kind of like wanting to sleep forever and never wake up. And the reaction of people around me was so negative that, I mean, I did end up going into a, a psych hospital, which was traumatic, but beyond the traumatizing experience of the hospital and the, the way that people reacted around me, I was like, I should bury this and never talk about it again because people cannot handle this. Yeah. And, you know, years, years later, I mean, it's amazing how long you can bury something like the thoughts didn't go away. They just, I just buried them. Yep. And I had a really unfortunate, um, you know, the funny thing is I put on a mask. I just pretended to be happy all the time. And I was high achieving. I did really good in school. I left Georgia and went to New York 
and became a journalist and a student journalist. I got published in the New York Times. As a student, I saw that. Which, whoa. Which is what, which I still am like, did that really happen? It did. I sometimes just look it up to make sure that like it really happened. I'm like, no, it, it happened. Did I dream that? Did I dream that? And on, on the surface, everything looked good. Like I had a boyfriend and I had like these, these dreams and hopes that were being fulfilled. And, but meanwhile, I was always thinking in the back of my head, you're not good enough. You're a horrible person. You know, you're not worthy. The world would be better off without you. So it's almost like I sustained living on other people's love, which is not, not healthy. It's not one is not healthy. Um, Talk about codependency and other things, but two, it's not sustainable. If you really don't, not only if you don't like yourself, if you actually really don't like if you hate yourself and I had a lot of hatred towards myself um, that I tried to bury so why do you think you hated yourself so much you know I don't know if it was some of the internalized racism that I experienced the messages that I was getting when I mean frankly it happened in the south and the north so I can't I can't even really just try to ascribe it to an area Um, it just was packaged differently Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I think there was a piece of me that just never felt like I fit in yeah. and that I was just different and yeah. I wasn't accepted. And I, I just was like, well, what's wrong with me? My parents got divorced. I did. I felt like I was fine with that, but I think there's pieces of me that, that were not wanted, fine. That were not fine with that. Yeah. Like on paper, I was fine with that, but you know, not having, you know, a really strong relationship with my father. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, moving to a place where people don't understand me. I mean, if you do any of the adverse childhood effects stuff, you know, you could check off a whole bunch of boxes, but I really think the experience of just not being seen, not being heard, not being believed when I was in pain. And then having the one person who like unconditionally loved you, unconditionally loved me Mm. die that, that wound. Well, there was no one who was like, let's cope with how you lose a loved one. There was no, like, here's how you can like, think about racism. It's not you. It's this other, there, there were none of those conversations. It sure. was like, I was in the nineties. It was like, we're colorblind. We don't see color. That was, that yeah. was the thing. So I can't pinpoint it to one thing. It was just almost like a tornado of all. Of Sounds it. like it. Yeah. Yes. And I think, and then you're walking around when you're little, like I'm fine. I'm okay. I can handle this. I get it. Yeah. As you grow yeah. up, you're like, I'm not really fine. I'm crumbling inside, but I'm going to act like I am, but I have imposter syndrome. I have all these things that I haven't dealt with, you know? Yeah. And I had the perfect job. My job was to ask people questions all day and never have anyone ask me anything. So it was a great way to hide because people thought we were deeply connecting. And I mean, when you're talking to someone and you're interviewing them, they feel open Right. And like they've connected, but they actually don't know anything about you because yes. you're not the, you are not the subject of the conversation. So I, it was like hiding in plain sight, if that makes yeah. sense. It's so interesting. I always say how I feel like we really need to ask each other, how are you? And so, and sort of, instead of answering, I'm fine. Thanks. Like really tell somebody, I mean, you might think you'd scare them off, but yeah. the truth is we don't stop to say really, how are you? Yeah. I have friends who say, how are you? And then they put dot, 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 really. And the really lets me know, like, that's permission to be like, actually, I'm not great right now. This is really tough. And just having that burden be released is yes. so helpful. They don't need to fix anything. No. They're like, listen. Just listening. 
the power of listening is amazing. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think your question was like, how did I get into this? Is because I have, I have, a, I'm a suicide attempt survivor. So after having this very like perfect looking life, but pretending to be happy, um, experienced uh, sexual assault and that just broke the mask. It was like, I don't want to pretend anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. And now looking back, I mean, not only was the treatment I received really not helpful, but also it was like, there were so many opportunities before I did that, that I was actually trying to get help. I actually tried to to talk to people, but they didn't believe me. They thought, well, you believe you. Oh, I am pretty much never believed when I'm in a crisis because I present well, um, which, I mean, I think about it like as a black woman, um, I, I always wonder like how, how does race and how does racism show up? So I don't cry. Um, I don't appear vulnerable Mm -hmm. the way that I'm speaking to you right now is how I sound when I'm in a crisis. My, my, my voice doesn't change. I'm not getting shaky and, um, it's just not how I present. And so when I tell someone I need help, if I am asking for help, that means like I have really exhausted every resource, but it was like, oh, but you're able to articulate that you need help. You're fine. Um, you're fine. Yeah. I was like, I'm not fine. I'm not fine, but I wouldn't, I would get turned away a lot. And so right. that's actually what happened. I got turned away. I got assaulted and then I attempted. And I say that not to shock people, but it's to say that like, when someone asks for help or when someone's in pain, believe them. Yes. Just believe, just believe them. But mm-hmm. why would someone reach out if they didn't need something? I think sometimes people say, oh, you're trying to get attention, but I'm like, they may need attention, right? Well, so they are just, trying to get attention. They are trying, they are. <laughs> Give them some attention. Give them attention, right? Yeah. Yeah. And listen, yeah. yeah. What I feel that uh, the work you're doing and, um, you are very tuned into your own mental health, but the mental health of others, because we're in a mental health pandemic. Oh yeah. You know, and your book, which came out in 2019, it seems like it's so relevant to the times. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been too patient, which um, I co-edited with LD green is really stories from people who have been patients in a psychiatric system and have survived that um, and have lived to share like what didn't work and what did work. And Mm -hmm. it's really the like conversations by like black indigenous people of color, marginalized folks. I mean, there's almost every identity in our book um, because, and we don't all agree with each other, which is great, but we do agree that we should be part of our mental health treatment. Like things shouldn't happen to us. They should happen with us. Um, And I mean, the atrocities that people have experienced, and we're not talking about decades ago, we're talking like years ago, like this, this has happened. And I think we really want to say that like mental health is health. I think people think that it's just like, oh, those people have those issues, but everyone has mental health. It's everybody. It's everybody. I mean, there's not a lot of great things about COVID uh, at all. But one thing that I did notice was people were like, oh, wow mental health is real. I mean, I think everyone kind of was like, you know, we should talk about this. I've been talking about it for like nine years and now I'm getting phone calls. Like 
yeah, okay, so it does impact everyone. And it's because we've been with each other. We've been with ourselves. We've been isolated. We've been disconnected. And the safest thing for people when they're having harm or going through a tough time is connectivity. And you bet. This pandemic's like cut through connectivity, yes. right? I mean, we yes. do our best with Zoom yeah. and trying to stay connected with people, but I think there's a level of isolation and distress yes. and anxiety, and I don't know what's going to happen next. And then you add in, you know, what people have called the racial reckoning, though none of it was new, but other people paid attention. That trauma and seeing those videos and seeing the murders of Breonna Taylor and George, George Floyd, and just seeing that and over and over again. I mean, while you are in your house and maybe you feel helpless, like you can't do anything. Right. I mean, I think this has just been, I still am, I still sometimes think I'm in 2020 and I'm like, I can't believe it's about to be 2022. I'm still processing yeah. 2020. I know, I know. I feel that uh, people really should pay so much attention right now to mental health, to, you know, to the fact that we have pushed people aside to save them from COVID, let's say older adults. Mm -hmm. So we have really isolated older adults, but in that we have made them more lonely and more depressed and that causes health issues. And then you also have a younger generation that's lonely and depressed and isolated and they're not having those milestone moments. They've missed out on these opportunities. They were they work so hard. They were looking forward to. Sorry, you're not going to have that job. We're not in person. Oh, I've talked to a couple of high schools, and I mean, what they told me, they're like, I was so looking forward to prom or yeah. our senior trips or graduation. Yes, you know these really big milestones where they get to be with their friends, and you know we're you know when you're young, like adults are not your community. That's not your peer group, you know, exactly. and now you're at home with your parents. Um, and so you know, what does that mean? And how do we, how do we provide those spaces for young folks to connect with each other? And I right. mean, there have been different changes depending on where you live um, with folks reconnecting or reemerging. But I think that kind of like, oh, is it safe? Can we come back out? Oh, wait, no, we got to go back in this mm-hmm. kind of back and forth. Yeah. Shaming for wearing masks. Oh, the, the, it's complicated out there. Gary, um, you won't yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a second podcast. <laughs> I, I feel that, um, and I talked about this, I'm starting this initiative called the care initiative. Yeah. We really have to think about being thoughtful, not only to ourselves, being really kind and patient with ourselves. Like you don't have to have these days where you're go, go, go. And you know, create, do, you know, and if you're a creative, people are looking at you like, why haven't you finished that book yet? Or that screenplay or that, you know what? Cause I had a day where I just needed to sit in my thoughts. Yeah. The importance of rest and slowing yeah. down. I mean, if we have not learned that slowing down and rest is important, mm-hmm. then I'm worried for all of us because the, I, and folks have had to grind harder because they have their kids at home and now right. they have to like, you know, manage all of these different things. Yes. Um, but I mean, I think this has been really an opportunity for a lot of people to say like, I mean, a lot of people have quit their jobs. They're like, actually, I realized that I'm, I don't want to do this or right. I'm realizing I have different boundaries and this is mm-hmm. sucking my energy and I need yes. to like rest and slow down. Yeah. Be, right. 
I changed my priorities during the pandemic kind of thing. A lot of people did. A lot yeah. of people changed their priorities. And I, and I don't, I think people think mental health is this kind of like you sit and talk to a therapist, which is definitely can be a component and yeah. one of my tools, but also mental health is how are you resting? How are you taking care of your body? What are your boundaries? Who are you going to allow back into your world and who maybe should maybe yes. not be part of your world? And right. that is part of mental health. Yes. And the people that are caregivers, whether you're caring for an older person, yeah. your kids, whoever, family members, I feel that they have so much weight on their shoulders. They are pulled in so many directions that they need those outlets. They need to figure out ways to recharge and to say, no, I, I can't do that. Can you do that? Because I'm taking on too much. Yeah. The importance of no, and even having your own community, mm-hmm. right? Like I have a group of black women who are writers and we, we talk and we, we check in with each other. And then I have different groups of friends that, you know, or maybe it's around a subject that we are like having an outlet, but someone needs help. Okay. We're going to like send a meal to their house. Right. Right. Or if you're just exhausted, but you can support each other and you can ask for help. And I think a lot of caregivers are not used to asking for help because they're like, I am superwoman or I'm Superman or I'm super non-binary person. I'm going to take it all on. Um, and I've just seen that. It does. I'll tell you, I've, I've burnt out on that, um, real quick. So what, what, you know, help, but it's not selfish to take care of yourself. I agree because it definitely makes you better and stronger to help your people. Totally. If there's no, you, there's no help. (laughs) You got it. You got it. What else would you like people to know about you? Um, I know you do a lot of public speaking. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that, I mean, I know we've already kind of touched on um, some things like that I'm a suicide attempt survivor and I do do a lot of public speaking around suicide prevention. And I mean, I think my really, my goal is to normalize the conversation that some people think about not being here. And the more that we can regulate ourselves to hold space for them to talk about it, the better we, the better results we'll have. And I think we've just been taught. So about, I don't know if everyone's family's gone through this, but there's just some stuff you're not ever supposed to share. And I really think if we shift the paradigm, because I don't know, my ancestors were doing the best they could with what they had, but I think they wanted a more open life for me in the end. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the areas that I work in and I am part of a documentary called the S word with other folks. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I mean, I, I love talking about the film and being part of the film and I was really struggling during the film, which people again, because I always present, they didn't know. I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. I should say in the film, I'm not fine, but my not fine still seems fine. Um, But I mean, do you want to share a little tidbit about the film? Because I, yeah. I saw a little clip. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the S word is um, now it's now it's actually free, so you can go to thesswordmovie.com and okay. check it out. So um, and it is a film about suicide attempt survivor Des Desiree Lestage, um, and she's going around to hear from other attempt survivors their stories. She takes photos for this website that she created called Live Through This. And you really hear from mental mental health advocates, you hear from attempt survivors, you hear from people who lost loved ones. But I mean, it's part like 
what our stories are, but how we live now. And there is humor in it. And there's a lot of like silly moments and there's a lot of love um, and just kind of the complex identities we may have in our different paths. But really it's to break the shame and stigma around suicide, around the conversation around suicide. So we can have people talk about it more so we can access help and have those community conversations. So um, really it's happy so about important. it. You know, especially with, you know, I, I lost my dad to cancer and I felt like maybe I should have gone to a survivor's, you know, group. But, and when I lost my friend 10 years ago, I, now I realized I really should have gone to a suicide support group because I was trying to reach out to family members and different people. And I was probably driving them nuts because I wanted to really discover her mindset and what was going on. And I'll never know all the answers, but I remember one person, and I won't name this person saying to me, you need to move on. This is what you wanted. And I'm sorry. That, wow. That was, see, that was shocking. Oof, yeah. That, and I, I, I just body. got off the phone at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so, I lost my breath in that moment when I heard that. Yeah. And knowing that we were best friends growing up, that was not something to say to me because I knew mm. that's, that's not what you wanted. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's really important to talk about and go to support group. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's true. I mean, we, and we need to be around other people who've had similar experiences because yeah. they have more, because <laughs> they can talk about it without yeah. shutting us down or, and I'm so sorry that person said I that was so you. shut down. It was, uh, it was awful. That just stops the conversation and that's not yeah. what yeah. we should be doing. And right. at least, at least for me, I just wanted to end the pain. I was in so much pain and I didn't know another way to be. Yeah. And some people have, we don't know how long they've fought to stay here. It's true. And, and other people are like, you know what? I immediately regret that. And everyone has different kind of experiences. But for me now, when the thoughts, cause I think people want to hear like a happy story, like, and then she lived happily ever after and never had a thought again about that. Um, but I do, but now for me, when I have them, I'm like, okay, something in my life needs to change. Not that I don't need to be here, but okay. oh, I need to leave my job or maybe I need to rest. Right. It, I don't have Correct. to react to it. So if I'm not yes. around people who are also reacting and freaking out, right. They can hold space to be like, what's going on with you? What, what do we need to take off your plate? You're a detective um, now. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm like an investigator. I'm like, okay, this thought has come up. What has been going on to bring this about as opposed right. to, oh my gosh, I need to do this. I need to leave mm-hmm. the world. So, yeah. and that's just how they manifest for me because of they're attached to my trauma. So when right. something traumatic happens to me, they think my thoughts think it's a protective mechanism. So that's really complex for people to understand, but it's like, we have to take you out of here to protect you. Yes. So once with a therapist, we unpacked that that's how they show up. She's just like, cool, what are we trying to protect you from? And what else can we do instead of that thing that you don't actually want to do? Right. Cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy. Oh, yes. Right? CBT all day. Right. That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> how this show is called get the funk out as I yeah. mentioned, cause I, my friend and I was in massive funk. How did you start to see that you were pulling yourself out of that funk? Like, did you start to build in things like physical activity or new routines that were lifting you? Yeah. You know what? It, it started small. It was like, okay, I'll get like a plant and I'll take care of it. Or I'll do like a really light job or I'll have little milestones. Like for me, it was really like, how do I start being honest? Cause I was so used to pretending to be 
everything's perfect and I'll take care of you. That was my like default. And the more that I was honest, I was like, oh, I let myself feel bad which I kept trying to avoid feeling bad, which made me feel worse, which is so confusing, but I let myself feel the feelings and they passed as opposed to trying to like control everything. Um, And then I really connected with people. I connected with peers who had been through similar things, who had maybe been further along on their journey, who would tell me things that were helpful for them. Um, working out was really helpful for me. Like I liked weightlifting. I liked, I like to like yeah. hold something strong that that felt really good. Um, and I really liked coloring and poetry and writing, right. writing really helped me, which I mean, definitely led me to like create a book at some point, but I think the writing, cause I was always a writer and that's, yes. I was telling other people's story. I wasn't telling mine. So I started yeah. figuring out like, I need to tell my own story. And then yes changed the story because my story was very the way I was thinking about myself was so negative was so narrow was so like I'm this broken person and I was like that's not true I've survived so much and maybe these skills maybe pretending I'm okay doesn't actually work for me so let's try something else on right so um and and that and music oh my gosh like in the film, I definitely singing and I love singing. And so that's connecting to like karaoke situations. That's a place of healing. Even if all my songs are like dark and emo, they have that's a right. place. They're getting out. I needed, I needed a exactly. release. I needed a release. So I love that. Those are some of the things, but I got to tell you, I, I live in California and when I'm in a funk, I go to the Redwoods. I, I mean, there's just something just so spiritual and kind and peaceful about those trees and I slow down. Nice. And I slow down a bit. Yeah. And just I just go there. I haven't been there yet. Oh my gosh, you have to. Go and I'm there. in California, so yeah. All right, you've got to. <laughs> you have you're, to. you're in Northern California, correct? Yeah, I'm in Oakland, so there's redwoods up there everywhere. I'll I'll show you some great redwood groves. I would love that. Oh my gosh, where can people find your book and more information about you? Yeah. So people can go on kalechiubozo.com. They can get the book there. Um, I also do sign copies um, and also it's always available on Amazon. And you know, it's so funny. They're teaching it at Boston university and part of their curriculum. I went there. Wait a minute. With, wait a minute. Are you talking about with the person that runs um, the the program, the new program, correct? It's a trauma-informed therapy group. Yeah, not therapy, but like, it's like for public health, actually. Yeah, which I was just so funny because I was like, I didn't even, I couldn't even get into Boston University. (laughs) So you are now. I am now, right? I mean, you're in the minds of the students now. How's that? It's amazing. And I get to talk to the students sometimes and they're just so, I just have so much hope because people are just doing things differently than what we've been taught. We're doing, we're being more open. We're being more real. So anyways, long tangent to say you can get the book on the website. Um, You can also find the S word like links to the film on my website as well. Um, And yeah. And I mean, I do a lot of speaking events. I'm not on social media a bunch for, you know, besides LinkedIn, but if you ever want to connect with me on LinkedIn, there's always that. It's kind of where leave things because social media is not always super helpful for me so well it's, it is very time consuming let's put it that way yeah it is and I need to sleep and color oh, in between yeah. all of the deep conversations or healing spaces or coaching or you know right. just 
things that I'm doing. Yeah, no, that's important. Um, one last thing. I remember my dad passed away and my stepmom, she's just been through a really tough time. So I send her coloring books, but I, I send her expletive coloring books. Yes, I have that one. <laughs> I don't know if she realized it was for the right household because she was like, what is this? <laughs> I thought it was funny. I think it's amazing. I love that coloring book. But at, if I'm at the airport, I have to be super careful. I'm like, are there kids around as I'm I know. coloring this thing? Hi, can I have a page your coloring book? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I, it's, it's deeply cathartic. Sometimes it's just nice to like create and put your hands on something, you know, I agree. is very grounding for me, like whatever re- regulates you, you know, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I have loved this. That's an understatement. Oh, it's so great. Oh, and great talking to you. And I'm excited about how you've transformed your experience of pain into something that people can connect with to a larger healing network. Like that's all we're looking for is connectivity. You know, that's what keeps us safe. That's what helps our mental health. You're so right. yeah, holding that space for folks. Yeah, that's really important work. So I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you so much.